At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm the low. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beast and Family Podcast. You've got a great podcast for you. In the second segment, we're going to be joined by Ryan Rossi, and he does a great job with the Philadelphia City Cats over here at Beast, and we do a great thing taking a look at all these local City Cats, taking a look at sports betting from a local perspective. We've got City Cats for so many different cities as Philadelphia is the one that Ryan winds up doing his show for. We've got Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, list goes on and on. And we've got a lot to talk about in terms of the Philadelphia Phillies as they've been having an interesting run of things. It just feels like their kryptonite is the Mets. We're going to be talking to Ryan about that. And then along the way, we're going to be talking about just the entirety of the National League playoff picture and just betting on the Philadelphia Phillies the next few weeks in general because you're going to notice we've got a very, very easy schedule and there's going to be a lot of chalky money lines along the way. So we're going to be talking to Ryan in the second segment. In the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And we got one or two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today other than 
How in the world does Tony La Russa have a job? So let's dive in everything that we wound up seeing on Monday, try to find some trends, and try to get to NLE seems a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Got a pair of West Coast games I'm not going to be able to give you guys too much on, as I'm going to be doing the look at on VEASAN from 10 o'clock p.m. Pacific time to 1 a.m., and if you're out there on the East Coast, that is 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern time, so... I've got you guys covered there, so we're going to have a little bit more on that show, but you did wind up seeing the White Sox lose the Kansas City Royals by kind of 6-4, and once again, Tony La Russa costs his team as Michael Kopech, he had a very clear injury when warming up, they let him go out there, he winds up getting pulled after getting no outs, giving up four runs as he wound up walking a pair of guys, he wound up giving up a hit along the way, and then Jimmy Lambert could not wind up stranding the inherited runners on base as he wanted going an inning. No earned runs charged him. From there, Vince Velasquez three and a third inning scoreless. Jake Diekman was able to give you a scoreless inning along Kendall Graveman, but Rinaldo Lopez, pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless. And then Joe Kelly, who's not been good for the White Sox. He gives up two runs in the eighth inning that costs the team the game while getting one out. Jose Ruiz, pair of outs out of the bullpen. So very much a tired White Sox bullpen. And then for the Kansas City Royals, not too bad of a start here from Daniel Lynch. He does wind up giving up seven hits and four walks, but somehow, someway, evades Singer, giving up just three runs as the White Sox wind up stranding 11 men on base. From there, you did wind up having Carlos Hernandez give you a scoreless inning. Amir Garrett, Scott Parlow, they pitch a scoreless eighth and ninth inning. And Dylan Coleman, he gives up a run in one and a third innings, but was able to wriggle himself out of a little bit of a tough situation there. DK Nashapik was on the over in the Angels versus the Rays game. Wound up seeing 16 men stranded on base in a day in which we did not wind up seeing a lot of scoring in Major League Baseball. 2 to 1. Rays wind up getting it done. Tucker Davidson winds up giving up two runs over the course of five innings, including home run to Randy Arozarena. 17th home run season for Jeffrey Springs. Did a good job of being able to work his way out of trouble. Five and two thirds innings, giving up just one run along the way before Jalen Beeks. Four outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless Jason Adams, John Armstrong. They both find a scoreless setting up for the Angels. Aaron Loop, Ryan Tabera, and your wants. They all wind up giving you a scoreless saying. The Texas Rangers wind up taking on the Minnesota Twins by a cut of two to one as Cole Reagans. Gives up a one run over the course of four innings, but really spent himself 89 pitches, so he gets pulled early, but A.J. Alexi in long relief, two and a third inning scoreless. Brett Martin, a pair of outside the bullpen before Jose LeClerc and Matt Moore. They were both able to lend a scoreless inning, and for the Minnesota Twins, some relatively solid pitching of their own, but they just weren't able to get the bats going as for the Texas Rangers, really their main form of offense, Adolis Garcia, 20th home run of the season. That comes off of Sonny Gray, who winds up taking the loss despite the fact that he gives up just two runs, including that homer over the course of six innings. Michael Fulmer, Griffin Jacks, Kale Theobar, I'll give you a scoreless setting, but for the Minnesota Twins, one of seven with Ben in scoring position. The lone run of this Cardinals versus Chicago Cubs game winds up being Albert Pujols going deep for his 14th home run of the season and his eighth home run in his last 50 at-bats. 1-0 the final. Pujols is literally hitting right around 450 over the last 35 days. It is absolutely insane. He is now eight home runs away from 700 for his career. That comes off Drew Smiley, which, I mean, we can make the case. Tough luck loser. One run surrendered over the course of seven innings. That's a shot. Sean Newcomb, Kirby Castro, they both lend a scoreless inning, but Jordan Montgomery gives up just one hit. Complete game shutout as ever since he wanted getting traded away from the New York Yankees, he has now surrendered just one run over the course of 25 and two-thirds innings. So it has been quite a run, and his old team was able to get the job done as well. 4-2, the Yankees wind up taking down the New York Mets. Max Scherzer, 
One of his lesser starts in quite a while. Four runs surrendered over the course of six and two-thirds eggs, including a home run to Aaron Judge. He had been in a little bit of a funk. Goes deep. 47th home run of the season. And Domingo Herman, his best start of the season. Two runs, one of which was earned. Given up in six and a third innings for the Mets. He did wind up having Daniel Vogel back, who has been a good addition for this team. Get a 16th home run season. Trevor May out of the bullpen for the Mets. And Michael Givens, a school of setting. But for the Mets, other than that Vogel back home run, not a lot doing as they went 0-1 with Ben in scoring position. Meanwhile, for the Yankees, Ron Medanacchio and Jonathan Loisica both give four outs out of the bullpen. So the Yankees, they get back-to-back wins for the first time in, I believe, a few weeks. So it had been a while for them. It has been a while since we've been seeing the Reds be formidable on offense, and the Reds, they wind up having a tough time. They wind up losing to the Philadelphia Phillies. As for the Reds, Luis Sessa wound up getting the start in this one. He winds up going just two innings. It looks like he's going to be full-time in the rotation, so lots of bullpen games looming for a Reds bullpen that is currently dead last. In terms of VR, he gives up two runs over the course of two innings. Joel Kuno, he winds up giving up one run in two innings. Art Warren gives up a run in an inning. Ross Detweiler and Hunter Strickland, they were able to combine for three scoreless innings, and you wind up having for the Reds the lone run of the game come off the bat of Austin Romine, his first home run of the season of a North or Syndergaard, who was very good in this one. Seven innings, giving up that solo home run. Sam Coonrod from there was able to end a scoreless inning, and then Andrew Bellotti, he winds up coming out of the bullpen. He winds up polishing things off. The Atlanta Braves go on the road, and they wind up taking down the Pittsburgh Pirates by kind of 2-1 to one as... For the Atlanta Braves, Michael Harris, the second. His home run off of Ronzi Contreras wound up being the difference. 13th home run of the season as Contreras. Solid start here. Gives up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of seven innings. Dwayne Underwood Jr. scoreless saying Will Crow was able to give a scoreless inning as well. But the lone form of offense for the Pittsburgh Pirates, O'Neill Cruz, got his 10th home run season off of Jake Odorizzi. As Odorizzi gives up one run over the course of six innings before A.J. Minter, Rossi Iglesias, and Kenley Jansen come out of the bullpen. There you go, polish things off. Don't have much in terms of Brewers versus Dodgers. Have to record this a little bit earlier with being on VEASAN tonight. But with that said... The Miami Marlins, who have scored three runs or fewer going into Monday in 19 out of their last 20 games, they put up three runs in the first three innings against the Oakland A's, which that tells you the state of Adam Aller's pitching right now as he wound up entering into this game with north of a 650 ERA. Meanwhile, for Miami, they wound up getting a home run off the bat of one Charles LeBlanc, his second home run season. So nice to be able to see that. And over the last three days in Major League Baseball, we have been seeing quite a few unders. That certainly manifested itself on Monday, but. In Major League Baseball in this time span, 199 unders to 183 overs, a little bit over 52% of games going under the total. Meanwhile, in this time span, favorites hitting just under 60%. 243 and 164 home favorites has really been where it's at. 154 and 87, and among these, 154 straight-up wins from home favorites. 115 have been via the run line as well. And taking a look overall for the season, home favorites now up to 684 and 453, but... Among the 684 straight-up wins for home favorites, we have now seen 209 instances in which the home favorite has not been able to cover the run line and overall for the season, 885 unders to 830 overs, obviously, with a few games from Monday pending as I wind up doing this. So about 51.6% of games this season have been going under the total. That's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on Monday. Coming up next, we turn the page forward to Tuesday, and we talk with our good friend Ryan Rossi, you know, the Philadelphia City Cast up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Family Podcast.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it's great to be joined by our guest, Ryan Rossi. Does an absolutely terrific job with 
one of the cool things that we do over here at VSIM, which is our city cast. We've got a lot of them that are just more centered around a little bit of a local perspective. Ryan does the one for Philadelphia. You've got like Daniel Alvari doing the one for Los Angeles. Will Hill in New York. List goes on and on. And Ryan also does a great job over there at Sports Radio WIP. I would argue one of the best local radio stations revolving around sports in all of America. And to be able to follow Ryan on Twitter, that is at WiseRyRye on the back half of that. And Ryan, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Greg, thanks for having me, as always. Always good to have you aboard. And Ryan, let's take a look at this NL East as I think that it was a relatively solid weekend for the New York Mets. Now, we are doing this before we wind up knowing what wound up happening on Monday against the Yankees. But they're catching the Yankees at a pretty good time, in my opinion. But what have been your overall takeaways the last few weeks for the Philadelphia Phillies? Because now they've got Kyle Schwarber back in full. But boy, what we wound up seeing on Sunday. And truth be told, we're doing this before the Monday game as well. Not necessarily ideal for a Phillies team that, by and large, They've been solid out of the bullpen up until what we did wind up seeing over the weekend. The Mets are the Phillies' ultimate curse right now. They're essentially like me and you walking under 10 ladders, breaking 20 mirrors. That's the New York Mets for this Philadelphia Phillies team. And I'm not saying it's just bad luck. It's just the Phillies cannot figure out a way to beat this Mets team. And, you know, it's concerning to me because... You asked me my thoughts on this Phillies team over the past couple of weeks. Phillies record against all of Major League Baseball, every team not named the Mets this year, Greg, 20 games over 500, 61 and 41. Then you look at what this Phillies team has done against the Mets, 5 and 14. Wheeler and Nola, nine combined starts against the New York Mets, Greg. Oh, and nine. So there's some mental block. There's some lacking mental toughness. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but there is something there that the Phillies against a obviously very strong Mets team, they can't figure them out. So I don't know what that means outside of the Mets. I've been impressed with what we've seen. Yeah, I certainly have been impressed by the New York Mets as well. And I just take a look at the outlook of the National League and I think when it's all said and done, it comes down to the three teams that we're seeing towards the top right now. Obviously, the LA Dodgers have been able to have a very solid run of things. I mean, there's something like 31-7 and seven in the last 38 games. They have been absolutely supreme. But the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets, I take a look at those teams, and they're just a cut above everyone else that's competing. I've been impressed by the St. Louis Cardinals, obviously. Not impressed by the San Diego Padres, and the Phillies have certainly come along a little bit, but I just feel like the Phillies at this point, they're a little bit of a tear down from what we're seeing out of the Atlanta Braves, and then the Mets, I think right now, if we were to do a series today, they'd be the team I think has the best opportunity to be able to take down the LA Dodgers in a five to seven game series, especially with the Dodgers having some closer issues with Craig Kimbrell. I feel that the Phillies are I don't know, I guess we can call it Tier 2 in the National League, Greg. They're Tier 2. I'm fine with that. But I tweeted this out there probably about a week and a half ago now. Best records in Major League Baseball since June 1st. A decent sample size. It's not two, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. I mean, it's going on three plus months as we're about to enter the month of September here. Philly's third best record at one point just a few days ago in all of Major League Baseball as of June 1st. So, They've been one of the hottest teams. The other teams since June 1st are the teams that you mentioned, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Yankees, although they're unraveling right now as we speak, and the Astros. So the Phillies, since Joe Girardi got the boot, they've been playing at an elite level. At least what their win-loss record will tell you exactly that. They're starting pitching. 
Wheeler and Nola. I'll put them up almost against anyone. It's a strong top two. I'm not saying it's DeGrom and Scherzer. Absolutely not. But the bullpen's been nice and consistent. Dare I say borderline really good throughout the entire season outside of some hiccups, especially recently, Greg. But they have the pitching, some big names at the top of the rotation. Bullpen's been strong overall. They're getting Harper back next week. I don't know what that rant means, Greg, but I do think the Phillies, despite us putting them in that quote tier two, certainly have the potential to do something once they get into the postseason, if they get into the postseason. And the f- schedule is lining up really well for the Philadelphia Phillies right now, as well as Ryan Rothstein. He is joining me on the podcast. Does a great job with Philadelphia CityCast because, and as we're doing this, they're in the midst of a series against the Cincinnati Reds. Once again, we don't know what wound up happening on Monday, but if they wind up losing to Luis Sessa, there's certainly some issues there. I recognize that there aren't necessarily a ton of people with a whole boatload of confidence in North Syndergaard. I certainly have them above Luis Sessa, though, so they should be able to get the job done there. But after this Red Series, they then wind up going up against the Pirates. They go on there and against the Diamondbacks, which I mean, the Diamondbacks, they do have a couple okay starters, but that said, they should be a better team than them. The Giants, we have seen things go straight down the toilet bowl with them. They play against a Miami Marlins team that has scored three runs or fewer, 19 out of their last 20 games. They get the Nationals with the turkey toss himself, Patrick Corbin. They then wind up getting the Marlins again before they wind up getting into a little bit of a tougher stretch, playing a bunch of games against the Braves along with the Blue Jays for a series as well. But I think that this is really the, we're going to call it 21 or so day stretch in which the Philadelphia Phillies really need to make some hay because this schedule is broken for them to have a really good run these next few weeks. Absolutely. It might be 20 games that I read somewhere that the Phillies will be facing the Reds and the Pirates from now until the end of the year. And the Nationals. And the Nationals. Okay, there we go. So as you mentioned, just to sort of reiterate it a little differently, there's no excuses here. I will say this, Greg, the Phillies this year compared to recent seasons where they've been just a disappointment and devastating at times, they've been beating teams they should beat, at least lately, teams like the Mets that they've struggled against. If that trend continues, I think the Phillies are going to do more than enough, put themselves in position to get into the postseason for the first time in a decade. I do agree with you there. I do think that the Phillies, things are breaking well for them because I just take a look at the National League and one of those teams that I brought up, the San Francisco Giants, they get the job done in extra innings on Sunday, but they dropped an extra inning game on Saturday. They're below 500. My favorite team is the Milwaukee Brewers. And right now they're in, ironically enough, a chase for that final wild card spot with the San Diego Padres. But I take a look at both of those teams and I don't think either of them are going to be able to rise up and be able to take that spot from the Philadelphia Phillies and be able to leapfrog them because I take a look at the way that the players have come together for the San Diego Padres that it's been befuddling how bad they've been. And then with the Milwaukee Brewers, I recognize that the Josh Hader trade is looking better and better by the day, but I mean, what they want to getting in return for Josh Hader is not necessarily helping them out this year either. And they did not wind up making a lot of moves at the deadline, and I think that that's what it all winds up coming back to because the Phillies, they got David Robertson at the trade deadline. They got Noah Thor Syndergaard at the trade deadline. You can make the argument that Noah Thor Syndergaard is not quite the same guy that he was in New York, but it certainly was an upgrade for this team. Meanwhile, teams like the Brewers, they didn't do a lot, and the team in the San Diego Padres that they did do quite a bit, 
they mortgage their future for really a position player that in Juan Soto is absolutely tremendous. But as we know, in Major League Baseball, it takes more than just one position player to turn the, around the fortunes of an organization. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, well said all around, Greg. But as we were discussing the wild card race and teams that are involved and the teams that are sort of, uh, you know, fall into the wayside here, I start to think of the Phillies and this wild card race and the other teams as well, not named the Braves. You sort of want to get that third wild card spot, right? If it's between the second wild card spot and the third wild card spot, the second, well, job well done. You were a little bit better throughout the regular season. Your reward is going to be the Atlanta Braves, correct me if I'm wrong, compared to the third seed in the wild card for the NL, where you would get a much easier opponent than the Atlanta Braves. So I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves there with that point, Greg, but I think it's an interesting one. Yeah, but it certainly is because right now the number three, I guess you call it seed, the weakest of the teams that are currently leading their division. That's the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Cardinals are starting to put things together as well. I like what they wound up doing at the trade deadline. They get Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader, which that trade is looking better and better by the day for the St. Louis Cardinals. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. They did a good job at the trade deadline. I mean, it's almost like saying water is wet when you wind up making <laughs> that statement. But yeah, I do agree with you there. That is one of those cases where running into the Atlanta Braves, they've got the best record, as you mentioned, ever since June 1st. They have really been able to turn it on. So that is something that is very interesting. But just taking a look at betting on the Phillies for the next few weeks is Ryan Rossine. He does a great job with the Philadelphia CityCast. He is joining me on the podcast. What is going to be a little bit of your plan of attack? Because I did mention it with the Philadelphia Phillies. They are facing off against our schedule over the next 20 or so games. That It's not good. It's going to be a lot of the Miami Marlins. It's going to be a lot of the Nationals. They're currently facing the Reds. They're going to be facing the Pittsburgh Pirates. You're going to be seeing chalky favorite after chalky favorite in these Philadelphia Phillies games. What is going to be sort of your plan of attack? Because I do think that this is going to be one of these circumstances where if they do wind up going up against a stud like a Sandy Alcantara of the Miami Marlins, perhaps you take a little bit of plus money on the other side. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Phillies, I think the big determination is going to need to be, do you think that they can win the game by multiple runs at a run line or does that starting pitcher wind up going five plus settings to be able to record a win to be able to reduce the juice? Because laying north of $2 like we wind up seeing on Monday, that could be pretty unpalatable. Yeah, great word there, Greg, by the way. But you look at what the Phillies have done, especially over the past couple of months, and they've done a really good job of when it's a new series, game one of a new series, it seems like whatever has taken place negatively in the previous one is left in that series. I bring that point up because... For me, it's going to be dependent on the opponent, obviously, in that three-game set, whatever it may be, how game one goes. And then, obviously, who's getting the ball for the Phillies? Like, recently, I've been hammering Aaron Nola over strikeouts at Bet Rivers, which is uh, what powers the Philadelphia City cast. For example, it's been at six and a half for Aaron Nola strikeouts over his past really eight or nine starts, Greg, typically priced at even money or better. Eight of his last 10 starts, he's gone over six and a half strikeouts. He's also tied for sixth with Otani in all Major League Baseball for strikeouts this season. So as you start getting closer to the month of September, for me on the Philadelphia City cast, obviously following the Phillies from start to finish here, you start to get to know your personnel, right? It may sound simple, but it really can be sometimes. So I know what I'm going to hit and focus in on when Nola or Wheeler are getting the start here down the stretch. And then I want to see Harper's impact. How does he look swinging the bat coming off of this injury? 
how does it impact the lineup and who's the opponent and who's the pitcher and what's the momentum looking like day to day series to series so sort of how i'm going to approach it yep i am absolutely a believer in taking a look at things from a game to game perspective momentum is only as good as the next day starter as we know and you never know when there's going to be a few ailments and who knows maybe we'll be seeing bryce harper back in the fold sooner before we know it as well and that would be able to give the phillies a little bit of an upgrade in terms of taking a look at some of those totals as well and ryan I know that you're very busy on that Philadelphia CityCast right now because football season is about to get started. I know that you're going to be taking a look at a little bit of college football out there in the state of Pennsylvania, but bigger than that, Philadelphia Eagles season is going to get going. I know that there has been a lot of chatter around the city about that. Obviously, the Philadelphia 76ers, there's never a dull moment with them. And then we've got the Philadelphia Phillies in a playoff race as well. So no shortage of things for you to talk about. Let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. It's going to be a fun or at least a certainly interesting September and, and upcoming fall as Labor Day approaches, Greg. But you, know, you already said it. You can just give me a follow on Twitter at WiseRye, W-I-S-E-R-Y-E. You can find links to all of the podcast platforms, the Philadelphia CityCast is available to you on. And then you can also find individual links to each and every CityCast episode. We'll be talking a ton of Eagles, a ton of Phillies, some Penn State football, some Temple football, some Sixers season totals and futures market odds as the month of September starts to wind down. So a lot happening. Check it out. Absolutely. And Ryan does a great job of being able to break it all down. No matter what sport you like, he probably has a little bit of something for you. And when it comes to college basketball season as well, the Philly Five games are always a lot of fun out of conference. Villanova's going to have an interesting year out there in the Big East as well. And Ryan does a great job of being able to cover it all. A big thanks to Ryan Rossi and for Jared to be right here on the Baseball Winning Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get Ryan Rothstein does a great job with the Philadelphia CityCast. Over here at VSID, he joined me in the last segment. It is going to be very interesting to see what we wind up getting with those Phillies. It's going to be fascinating to see what we wind up getting in terms of the National League playoff picture as well. was great to talk to him on both fronts. Big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at Junet underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. The lone exception is I'm going to do both of the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals games together. We don't quite know what's going to be happening with regards to the doubleheader. We have an idea as to who's going to be starting, but as I do this podcast, we currently do not have any numbers up on the board. Hopefully when I am hosting the look at on VEASAN, we will know a little bit more then, and I can pass a little bit more along during that show, but always makes it complicated when we do wind up getting these double dips. So without further ado, let's start with that doubleheader of 901-902 on the betting board, along with 907-908. It is the Cardinals on the road against the Chicago Cubs. In Game 1, it is going to be Adam Wainwright going up against Javier Assad. And then in Game 2 for the St. Louis Cardinals, it is good old to be determined. 
and it is going to be Adrian Sampson going for the Chicago Cubs. Now, in that game two of the doubleheader, it's looking a little bit like we're going to be getting Matthew Libertor. If not, we're probably going to see a bullpen game in which guys like Genesis Cabrera, Jordan X, and company, they wind up coming through. So let's start with the one that we know most about, Adam Wainwright against Javier Assad, which is going to be game number one. And in this circumstance, I want to making the Cardinals minus 178 on the money line, minus 113 on the run line. Total of 8.6 with regards to the wind of Wrigley Field. This is going to hold true for both games. Really not going to be seeing a lot of it. Your most, I guess you'd call it intense winds of the day are going to be about 5 to 6 miles per hour during that game number one. And it's going to be a little bit more of a directional wind, not really blowing out, not really blowing in. And then in game two, it's going to be a 3 mile per hour wind. So it's really not going to have too much of an impact in regards to these handicap totals. So just want to get that out of the way right now. But with Adam Wainwright, he has struggled a little bit more on the road rather than at home. You take a look at Wainwright, and he has been completely dominant at home. Being able to post up overall for the season, a 2.11 ERA compared to a 4.43 on the road. But to be able to do a good job, he'll be able to keep the walks down. He's been giving out only about 2.3-ish walks per nine innings. Certainly not a strikeout artist, but still is getting a little bit over seven strikeouts per nine innings. And has been able to do a relatively solid job over his last five starts, posting up a 2.12 ERA giving up one home run over his last 34 innings. And then our good friend, Mr. Assad. This is going to be his first career start, and he's been solid at the minor league level. A guy that gets right around nine strikeouts per nine innings, so you got to figure that he's not going to be too much of a swing and miss. Guy has given up three walks per nine, but does a good job of holding down the fort, not giving up too much hard contact. Now, do note that Tennessee, the double-A team that he pitched for, and the triple-A team, Iowa, not necessarily as much of a juice ball league. It's not quite the Pacific Coast League where balls just flying out left and right, so that does wind up helping him out just a little bit. But I've got to think that with our good friend Assad, probably not going to be going for a whole heck of a lot of length because you take a look at what he's done at the minor league level this season. He's made 21 starts and two, I guess you'd call them relief appearances, and he's only won 108 in a third inning. So he's averaging right around five innings per appearance. Not a guy that you take a look at, and he's got too many appearances of six-plus innings. So do keep that in mind. And with the Chicago Cubs, they did wind up giving away quite a few bullpen pieces at the trade deadline. No more David Robertson, Michael Givens, guys like this. So now you're looking at Anderson F. Spinoza. I've actually liked what I've seen out of Brandon Hughes overall for the season. He's posting up right around a 3 ERA, Rowan Wick. Ever since he wound up having a pretty brutal month of June, he's been able to pick it up as well. And then when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals, you do have a little bit more in terms of the bullpen. They're probably going to need to use up quite a bit of that bullpen in game number two, whether it is Matthew Libertor or if it winds up being a little bit more of a bullpen game as you've been able to have Genesis Cabrera be able to give you multiple innings, sub three ERA, Giovanni Gallegos has been solid. They are missing Ryan Elsley, but you've also got a Cardinals team that Regardless of what winds up happening in game two, they're going to have the clear advantage with regards to the bats in both of these games because you've got Paul Goldschmidt and Noah Arenado. He combined 56 home runs between these two. Goldschmidt is hitting a 340. Easy odds on favorite to win MVP in the National League. Arenado's been able to hit a 300. And then past that, Lars Nootbaar, Paul DeYoung, Albert Pools. These guys have really picked it up at Albert Pools. I mean, this is not even a joke. Over the last three days, going into yesterday, he was hitting a 449 and had gotten seven home runs in his last 49 at-bats. I don't know where this is coming from, but it has been impressive. And then on the flip side, for the Cubs, you've got a pair of guys who have been able to crank out 20-plus home runs. And Patrick Wisdom, along with Wilson Contreras, 
Wisdom strikes out a like flop, but you do take a look at Contreras. He, Ian, App, both of these guys have been able to give you right around a 350 on base. You've been able to get a double-digit amount of homers and a 250 batting average out of some like a C.A. Suzuki, P.J. Higgins, Chris Formorell, Nick Madrigal. They're all aiming about a 252-255, so I mean, the bats are solid. They're not supreme, but at the same time, they do a relatively functional job. So I, for that reason, I did wind up making the Cardinals right around, like I said, minus 178 on the money line, minus 113 on the run line with a total of 8.68 after less, looking over 9 or higher to the under. And then in Game 2, if it is Libertor versus Samson, I'd be setting the Cardinals at a minus 107. Honestly, a bullpen game, I'd probably set the Cardinals a little bit closer to that minus 112 to minus 115 range, depending upon how that winds up working out, because Libertor is north of a 5 ERA at the minor league level. He's someone that has a lot of upside. I know that a lot of prospect guys, they have a lot of faith in him, but with that said, here at the major league level and the few starts that he's made has not necessarily went so great for him. It's been a case in which the command has been a little bit off, so I do have my question marks if you do wind up getting Matthew Liebertor in this start as he has given up a little bit over 4.5 flex per 9 innings, 5 bombs in 27 innings across 6 starts and a long relief appearance, so not necessarily too terrific there. And for Adrian Sampson, he's been a steady Eddie guy, but it feels like regression has come his way. He was getting relatively lucky in his first year and a half or so with the Chicago Cubs when he was having balls put in play in him. All of a sudden, the ERA has gone up north of a 350. Now, he has been able to do a solid job of just being able to not put guys on cheaply as he's giving up in the neighborhood about two and a half walks per nine innings. So, that has been solid, but you do take a look at what he's done over these last we're going to call it five starts. He's got a 371 ERA. So I give it up to him. Runs at 26 and two-thirds innings, but opponents are hitting at 260 off of him. So that opponent's batting average is starting to rise a little bit more. With Samson, he gets a little bit over seven strikeouts per nine innings. So if it does wind up being Libertor versus Samson, very slight edge to the Cardinals because I like their bullpen better and I like their bats a little bit better. But I do think that Samson a little bit better than Libertor. And this would be a case in which Libertor against Samson slash bullpen game against Samson, a nine or less. I'd be looking at the over at nine and Fryer to the under as we go 903 904 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on the Cincinnati. They're under the road. They're facing up against the Philadelphia Phillies. Ranger Suarez is going to be going for the Phillies, and Nick Ledolo is on the bump for the Reds. The Reds are a underdog in the spot. You're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 180 and a plus 190. Meanwhile, when it comes to the Phillies, it's anywhere between minus two dollars and minus two fifteen. Eight to eight and a half is your total. On the eight, the over is minus one fifteen. The under is minus one hundred five. On the eight and a half, the under is minus one twenty, and the over is even. And when it comes to the Reds, I did need north of two dollars to take a shot here. I set it at a plus one ninety eight, so I needed technically a plus one ninety nine. But if you do take a look at the run line, you're finding it at even money with the Philadelphia Phillies. I was willing to lay up to a minus one ten, not really seeing an edge with regards to money line. And typically, when we do wind up finding these shocky money lines, I typically wind up going run line or I wind up looking somewhere else as well just because it winds up getting up a little bit too lofty anyway. So this is a spot in which I will be taking a look at that Phillies run line with Ranger Suarez. He wound up having a little bit of a tough time towards the beginning of the season in terms of command, but has really been able to rein it in ever since. We're going to call it a rocky first two or so months of the season. Still has been giving up more than three walks per nine innings, but you take a look at what he's been able to do over his last five starts. This guy has been superb. This is the same form that we found from him in the second half last season. 1-1-9 ERA, 30 and a third innings, eight walks and one bomb allowed in this time span, getting about nine strikeouts per nine innings, which is up from what he's been doing for the season. Overall for the season, 
Rookies with more rounds of that strikeouts per nine innings. Now, for the campaign as well, 460 O'Meara compared to a 241 ERA on the road, but has been significantly better in this stretch. Meanwhile, for Nick Lodolo, he's a little bit of a strikeout artist. He's been able to get over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. He's been giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings, but his last start against the Philadelphia Phillies was a gem, seven scoreless innings. Prior to that, he had won nine and a third innings in his previous two starts against the Cubs and the Brewers, and he had given up seven runs in that time span with eight walks, and that is a little bit of his kryptonite. He is someone that is going to give up right around 4.3-ish walks per nine innings, so that is a tad bit of an issue, and for Lodolo, his ERA just spikes on the road. Now, it's a small sample size. He has only made three road starts, but with that said, it's an 849 road ERA compared to a 293 home ERA. I do think that he's going to rein it in a little bit more because opponents are at 306 off of him on the road, but certainly has been a little bit of cause for concern, and then when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds lineup, it's not quite what it was at the beginning of the season, as a matter of fact. If you take a look at the starting lineup that you wound up getting on Monday with threads. Your highest hitter in terms of total home runs was 8 with Jonathan India. That's not great. I mean, Brandon Drury, Taylor Naquin, guys like this being out of the fold, that has really hurt them. You do have guys that are able to move the line, though. Donovan Solano sitting well above a threader. You've got Jonathan India, Nick Senzel, both hitting in that neighborhood about a 240 to a 250. Jake Fraley's been able to about a 255 as well, so he's has been able to do a relatively solid job. Then when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies, Kyle Schwarber is back in the full batting average has not been there for him, but he's got 34 home runs overall this season, and got guys behind him that are able to move the line. Alec Bohm has been able to hit about a 290 for this bunch along Gene Segura, and then you've got JT Riumito, Nick Cassianos doing a solid job with that regard as well. When you get down to the bottom of the fold with the guys like Bradley Zimmer and company, it can be a little bit touch and go. Matt Vierling as well, but with the Phillies, they've done a very solid job with their bullpen ever since they wound up canning. Joe Girardi, David Robertson was a good trade deadline acquisition. Connor Brogdon has posted up a sub-3 area. Brad Hans or Anthony Dominguez. These guys have been solid. Craig Knabel in the seventh inning has been nice as well. So I do think that the Cincinnati Reds do wind up getting held down here by Rangers Suarez. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up a 1-1-9 ERA. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression with that regard. But I did wind up saying my total at an 8.4. If we wind up getting the 8.5, I would be taking a look at the under. In 8, I would be taking a look at the over just because I could wind up seeing the Reds. A team with the worst bullpen out there in the big leagues says you've got Buck Farmer, Ravierson, Martin, Hunter Strickland. You're able to get down the list of guys posting up north of a 450 ERA. Really giving up some runs in Lodolo. He's had his road struggles as well. So at an 8, I'd be taking a look at an over. 8.5, I'd be taking a look at an under. Currently, the only 8.5 I'm seeing is at DraftKings. So what I've got available to me is an 8. I'd be looking at that over along with the Phillies run line. 9 of 5, 9 of 6 on the betting board. It is the Atlanta Braves. They hit the road. They're facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. As JT Brubaker is going to be going for the Buckos. And Max Freed is on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta is anywhere between a minus 260 and a minus 275 favorite between plus 230 and plus 235 is your price on the Buckos. And eight is your total under setting between minus 115 and minus 120. The over setting between even a minus 105. I needed at least a plus 260 to take a shot on the Pirates. It has been an incredibly good season for our good friend Max Freed, but I think we've went up a little bit too lofty here with Max Freed. No question. He's been able to do a very solid job both at home and on the road. And matter of fact, on the road, 5-1 record with a 276 ERA. I know it's been a tad bit better with a 249 ERA, but it's one home run allowed in 58 and two-thirds innings when he has been on the road. And you can't think that we're going to be seeing too much different here because with the Pittsburgh Pirates, not a lot of power in this lineup. You do have one guy in Brian Reynolds who's been able to do a very good job of being able to go yard. 20 home runs. He's hitting nearly a 260. Credit where credit is due there. And then Michael Chavis, 
He's been able to do a nice job. He's been able to move the line with a 245 batting average. And as a matter of fact, you've got Rodolfo Castro, Lance Ben Gamble. These guys are all in between about a 245 to a 255 with Javis being able to give the team 12 home runs. But other than Javis and Reynolds, you don't really have anyone else that's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. And then you do have some dead bats at the bottom of the fold, like Onyo Cruz, Brias, Medeiros, Gregory Allen. You're able to go down the list. It's been a little bit grody. And for the Atlanta Braves, you certainly don't wind up having that as they finally have Marcelo Zuna out of the fold for many reasons. He should not be out there on the field. If you're looking at play and play alone, he probably should not be out there on the field. So nice to see that that's been rectified. But Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, Michael Harris, the second. These guys are all in between about a 280 to a 290. Now with Austin Riley, just real runs over the last 25 or so games that he's been playing in, but you know that he's going to be able to pick it up. Robbie Grossman, ever since he wanted coming over to Atlanta, he's been able to do a solid job. 340 on base when he was with the Detroit Tigers. It was just a bad situation. He was hitting at 205, so he's been able to pick it up a little bit. Ronald Acuna Jr., 25 stolen bases, north of a 360 on base, and the Braves no question they do have the better bullpen as you've seen A.J. Minter be able to do a solid job for the team all season long. Tyler Banzik missed quite a bit of the campaign, but being able to get him back, that's been relatively solid. Dylan Lee's been able to post up a sub-3 ERA. They pick up Rossi Iglesias at the trade deadline, but with the Pittsburgh Pirates, you do have guys that are able to give you length. Will Crow has a sub-3-5 ERA. Chase Young has a sub-250 ERA. Colin Olderman has been able to do a solid job as well. He's sub-3 as well, and then when it comes to the starter and J.T. Brubaker, he's been able to do a much better job will be able to keep the ball in the yard this season rather than in past years. He's given up a little bit less than a home run per nine innings. Now, walks per nine rate, that is a little bit north of a 3.2. That has been a little bit of an issue, but he's been able to get a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings as well, so that has been solid. And for JT Brubaker, just has been a case in which he deserves a little bit of a better record than he deserves. He's 0-7 on the road with a 388 ERA. Meanwhile, at home, his ERA goes to a 466, and yet he's 3-3. Go figure there, but I do think that Brubaker is going to be able the line day relatively solid start against an Atlanta Braves team that they aren't going to be on the road in this one. Pittsburgh is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, so that is going to be playing to the advantage of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I needed at least a plus 215 to be able to take a shot on them. We have certainly been able to get there, so I'm going to be taking a look at the Buccos on this number, and Dave up setting it at a 7.7. I still think that Max Fried going to be able to land a relatively solid start as well, so looking at the under on the 8 as well. 907-908 was part of Cubs versus Cardinals, so we go to my DK Nation pick 909-910 on the bang board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers. They hit the road. They're facing off against the LA Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin is going to be going for the Dodgers and we're going to use the old English accent on this one. I don't know if this will be a good thing or a bad thing, but one Cuban Burns is going to be on the bump for the Brewers. For some reason, I always think his name should be said in an old English accent, but that said, total seven overs, minus 120, and the under is even, and with the Dodgers, anywhere between minus 140 and minus 150 is your price on them, between plus 130 and plus 140 your price on the Brewers. DK Nation pick is going to be fading the LA Dodgers. A very, very dangerous game to play, but Corbin Burns has been lights out on the road, and I think that he's going to deliver again. The last time he wound up going up against the LA Dodgers. He did wind up giving up three runs in five and two-thirds innings, but it was enough to be able to get the job done and just take a look at Corbin Burns on the road this season. A buck 94 ERA, and as a matter of fact, the last two seasons, he's got an ERA that's more than a full half a point lower on the road than he has 
at home. He has been absolutely supreme with regards to the strikeouts. Corbin Burns getting over 11 punch outs per nine innings. And with Sandiel Contra having a tough start against the LA Dodgers, Corbin Burns can get back into the Cy Young hunt with a signature performance here in a game that his team desperately needs in the playoff hunt. So I think that we're going to see the best of the best when it comes to Corbin Burns here. Opponents are in just a buck 85 off of him all season long. He has been able to do a lot of his best work on the road. I think that this is a great spot for him. And then you do take a look at Tony Gonsolin, and he's been able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Burns gives up right around one home run per nine innings. Gonsolin more around .8 home runs per nine innings. Gonsolin and Burns both have been relatively solid with regards to their walks per nine rate. Both of these guys a little bit north of two. Gonsolin, you know, he gets more around 8.1, 8.2 strikeouts per nine innings. But you take a look at Gonsolin. Buck 53 ERA at home on the road. This does wind up going to a 266. But what I think is interesting about taking a look at Tony Gonsolin has been the opponent's batting average numbers. Opponents are earning a buck 49 off of him at home, and Tony Gonsolin has been very solid this year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is just unsustainable what he's doing right now, especially with the amount of contact that he winds up giving up. If you take a look at the fielding independent, it is a 335 compared to his 212 ERA. He is due in for a little bit of regression, and he is going up against a Milwaukee Brewers team that they rank in the top six in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis, as you've got Roddy Tellez, along with Hunter Renfro throwing their Willie Adamas, all giving you at least 22 home runs. Now, the one thing with the Milwaukee Brewers is that you really don't have that one guy that's been supreme in terms of the batting average. Mike Barrasso has been able to rain the neighbor to buddy 260 and then from there, you've got Colton Wong, Hunter Renfro I mentioned a little bit earlier, Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, they're all hitting about a 243 to a 252. It's been a little bit of a touch and go year for Eddie Tellus, but he's up to a 325 on base. And no doubt, with the LA Dodgers, you've got yourself a whole bunch of mashers. Even though the batting average is down for Cody Bellinger, he and Max Muncy both 16 plus home runs apiece, although these two gentlemen, along with Austin Barnes, hitting a 210 or lower, but you've been able to have Mookie Betts at the top of the fold give you 27 home runs. You've got Freddie Freeman, along with Will Smith, Trey Turner, all giving you between 16 and 18 home runs. Smith hitting a 275, Turner and Freeman both hitting above a 300. It's going to be a tough night for Corbin Burns, but Devin Williams, over his last 39 appearances, coming out of the bullpen, two earned runs in total. He has been amazing for this team with the LA Dodgers. Been touch and go with Craig Kimbrell. You haven't necessarily been able to have the world's greatest bullpen performance out of the bigger names. Now, the smaller guys have been able to step up, which is why the Dodgers are currently number one in terms of bullpen ERA for the season. Evan Phillips, Caleb Ferguson, they both have sub two ERAs. They get back for starter Grider all as well. That is going to be able to help them out moving forward, but I expect a little bit of rust for him in the first few appearances. Meanwhile, Brian Boxberger is a sub three ERA. Hobie Milner is starting to see turbulence, but when it comes to the Brewers, I do think that Corbin Burns is going to be able to fire seven strong. He is going to be able to get it to the more trustworthy bullpen pieces. So anything north of a plus 113, I was willing to take a shot on the Brewers. DK Nation pick is going to be the Brewers on the muddy line. Semi total is 6.4 as well. I think that it's going to be a struggle to score in this battle of aces. So taking a look at the under and the DK Nation pick, the Milwaukee Brewers on the money line. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. It is the Chicago White Sox. They throw it face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Austin Voth is going to be going for the Orioles and Dylan Cease and Decease. He is on the bump for the White Sox. The White Sox are finding themselves between minus 145 and minus 155. Favorites anywhere between plus 135 and plus 138 is your price 
on Baltimore. 7.5 to 8 is your total. On the 8, the under is minus 120. The over is even on the 7.5. Over and under are both at minus 110. This is a total that I did wind up setting at at 7.4. So whether you've got a 7.5 or an 8, I am going to be taking a look at this total under. And with Cease and Company, I was willing to make the White Sox minus 152 on the money line. If you're taking a look at their run line, finding it any routine about a plus 110 to a plus 120, this is a circumstance where I would rather lay more like a minus 145 rather than take a run line. So I'm going to be willing to lay up to a minus 152 in terms of that money line because Dylan sees he has just been a dealing the White Sox. Well, because Michael Kopech literally got zero outs yesterday, they're going to need Dylan sees to wind up lending some length. And if there is one issue that you do wind up having with Dylan sees it is that the walks are a little bit high. He's been giving up right around 3.4, 3.5 walks per nine innings. But I mean, this guy's been amazing on the road. His home area is 270, which is solid. But Buck 34 road here. He given up three home runs and 60 and a third innings when he's been away from home. The strikeout numbers are superb. He's getting well above 11 strikeouts per nine innings, actually above 12 strikeouts per nine innings. So I fully expect him to be dealing in this one. And then for Austin Wolf, he's been able to lengthen himself out a little bit more. He's been able to do a solid job going five plus innings at each out of his last four starts. And in those four starts, it combined five runs allowed now. He did wind up going up against the Pirates, Reds, the Blue Jays. That's a tough team. And the Tampa Bay Rays. But certainly he's been able to do a good job there. And what's been impressive for both as well Giving up just three walks in those last four starts as well. You may recall he was with Washington Nationals a little bit earlier this season. He had a 10-13 ERA with Washington Nationals. His ERA has fallen to a 281 with the Baltimore Orioles. Clearly a change of scenery has done him a lot of good. And for the Chicago White Sox, the issue that you have with this offense is that they just don't wind up going deep a lot. The trio of Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert, and Jose Abreu all have between 12 and 14 home runs, and these are the only three guys with a double-digit amount of homers this season. Now, when it comes to the White Sox, they actually have the best batting average on the road of any team in baseball, as all three of these guys had at least a 290. Whenever Tim Anderson's been out there, that's been solved, but Tim Anderson has been all sorts of banged up, and then he's been dealing with suspension, so we're able to go down the list of issues there. Guys like Lurie Garcia, Alonky Osmani Grandal have just stopped been able to get going all season long, but by and large, this White Sox team with A.J. Pollock being a little bit touch and go, have been able to do a solid job. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, you don't necessarily have that one guy that has really stood out in terms of like batting average or anything like that. Anthony Santander, his 21 home runs, that has certainly been able to help this team out in terms of a power perspective, but Adelie Rushman, Austin the Say's kid, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Santander, Ramon Urias, Ryan McKenna, all these guys are in between about a 250 to 265 throwing their Cedric Mullins and Ode Mateo. Ever since the All-Star break, he's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of formers, and he and Mullins are both in the top five in terms of the American League in terms of stolen bases. Now, when it comes to Baltimore Orioles, their big advantage is going to be the bullpen because you've got an Orioles team that they do rank in the top five in terms of ERA in the bullpen. Joy Krebiel along with Keegan Aiken, Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, Dylan Tate, all these guys have been able to deliver a 3-2 ERA or better and Aiken can be used as a little bit more of a long guy, but with the White Sox, what you do have with this team, Liam Hendricks, Kendall Graven, both of these guys have been rock solid all year long, posting up sub-3 ERAs. They did wind up having to use up once again Jimmy Lambert yesterday. They really had to dive deep into that bullpen yesterday, but I do think that Dylan C's going to be able to do a little bit of a better job. I'll be able to lend some length. He has won at least six innings in four out of his last five starts. Lone outlier came up against a very good Houston Astros team, so one to lay up to a minus 152 in terms of the Chicago White Sox. Do you think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game as I think that Cease holds down the Orioles. So I set my total at 7.4 looking under to go along with the White Sox. 9-13, 9-14 on the betting board. It is the Toronto Blue Jays on the road 
Facing off against the Boston Red Sox, Josh Winkowski is going to be going for the Sox, and Roz Stripling is on the bump for Toronto. Toronto is a minus 135 favorite between plus 115 and plus 120 is your price on Boston. 10 is the total. The over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. Was willing to lay a little bit north of a minus 150, minus 154 to be exact on the Toronto Blue Jays because Ross Stripling has under the radar actually been able to do a really good job with this Blue Jays team and for Josh Winkowski, the first three letters of his last name spell out win, but he's been doing anything but that recently. His last start was pretty darn deplorable. He winds up giving up six runs of five innings against the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's given up three plus runs and now three out of his last five starts. And for Winkowski, he's on his worst work at home. With a 594 home ERA with a road ERA right around a 428. He has given up six home runs in 33 in the third innings. When he's been at home, his walks per nine rate that goes well north of a 3-3. So all sorts of issues there. And opponents are getting a 290 off of him. He is not someone that's going to get a lot of swings and misses. A little bit over five strikeouts per nine innings. Not like Ross Stripling is going to go out there and light up the radar gun either with right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. But 1.5 walks per nine innings, 0.6 home runs per nine. Ross Stripling has just been a very steady guy. He's made three starts against Boston. His ERA a little bit higher against Boston than it is for the season as his season ERA 293. It is a 321 and it starts against Boston, but still has been able to do a solid job. One home run, five runs allowed over the course of 14 innings. He'll certainly take that in for Boston. Maybe deal with J.D. Martinez just not being himself in general. He has been in sub buck 75 over the last 50 days. It has not been good to take a look there. Now, you do have Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, both in between a 295 to a 300 and Devers. He's got 25 home runs, but really other than Devers, the only other healthy guy that has been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers, that's Bobby Dahlbeck. And Bobby Dahlbeck has not been able to do a good job of being able to reach base as he you're able to throw in there Kevin Ploiecki, Kike Hernandez. These guys are only at 225 or lower. Now, Christian Arroyo has been able to do a very solid job for this team. He's hitting at 285. You've been able to see Alex Verdugo do a good job of moving the line. But for the Boston Red Sox, they're dead last in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA since so the All-Star break. And they lead the league in terms of highest ERA by more than a full point in terms of that bullpen ERA in the time span as well as Jorsic Familia, Ryan Brazier, along with Matt Barnes, all have north of a 5 ERA. Austin Davis does as well. They get back Matt Stram and should be able to help them out and Garrett Woodlock is able to give the team multiple innings, but the Blue Jays under the radar, I know that a lot of people have wanted to poop on their bullpen. I mean, it's actually been a relatively solid bullpen. They've been dealing with an injury to Tim Meza, and despite that, ever since he came over to the team, Zach Pop, you're able to throw in there Yimmy Garcia, David Phelps, Adam Simber, all these guys have a 327 ERA or better. They pick up Anthony Bass at the trade deadline. He has been superb for this team as well. So I do think that the Red Sox should be able to get it done, especially with the lineup that has been really able to pick it up recently with Vlad Guerrero Jr. hitting five home runs over the last three weeks. You've got Lourdes Gurriel along with Alejandro Kirk, both hitting in that neighborhood about a 300. George Springer has come off the injured list, and he has looked relatively solid now. He's dealing with a little bit of injury once again, so he might wind up missing a little little bit of this series as well, but Bo Bichette after he wound up having a little bit of an up and down start to the season, he's been picking it up to Oscar Hernandez since coming off the injury list earlier in the season. He's been rock solid as well, so it's a circumstance which I'm willing to lay up to a minus 154 when it comes to the Blue Jays. I do wind up saying my total at 9.7. I think that Winkowski is going to be a little bit better than he was against
against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Stripling has been able to do a solid job all season long. Looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Jays. I'm 59-16 on the betting board. It is the LA Angels on the road facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays. The Kalubot, Corey Kluber, is going to be going for the Rays, and Jose Suarez is going to be on the bump for the Angels, and the Angels are between plus 150 and plus 160 underdogs, minus 170 to minus 175, your price on Tampa Bay. 7-7.5 is your total on the 7. The over is between minus 125 and minus 130, under between plus 105 and plus 110 on the 7 half. Under is minus 125. The over is plus 105. And looking at that raised run line, you're going to be finding that anywhere between a plus 125 to a plus 135. I was willing to take even money or better with regards to Rays run line, and I want to make them a minus 193 favorite. Now, I do recognize that Jose Suarez has been able to do a better job for this LA Angels team. You take a look at what he's been able to do over his last five starts, and he has given up three runs or fewer in all but one of them. And if you wind up shortening it a little bit to his last four starts, he's given up four runs, three of which were earned in that time span, five walks in that span as well. So he's been able to do a relatively solid job, but you take a look at the competition. Against the twice against the Kansas City Royals. The one start that was relatively impressive that was against the Seattle Mariners, but for Corey Kluber, he had given up three plus runs prior to his start against the New York Yankees and each out of his last five starts gives up just two runs over the course of six innings there, and he's been struggling just a little bit, but for Kluber, you know that he's going to be able to find the zone. He has given up right around 1.4 walks per nine innings. That is one of the best marks out there in the big leagues. Very consistent home to road. 438 home ERA, 428 road ERA. He's given up seven home runs in 61 to 62 innings in both environments. Nine walks in both environments at that time span between a 259 and a 269 opponents. Batting average in both environments, so you know what to expect from Corey Kluber, but with the Tampa Bay race, I do think that the offense is starting to get a little bit more on line. They did wind up picking up David Peralta at the trade deadline. He and Randy Arozarena have both been able to between about a 248 to a 258. You've had Francisco Mejia be able to pick it up as well. Yandy Diaz will be able to give you right around a 375 on base. The problem for the team has really been power. Randy Arozarena right now leads the way with 16 home runs, and the only guys that have been able to crank out a double-digit amount of homers past that are Isaac Paredes along with Peralta, and Peralta on a pitting pretty much all those home runs with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Meanwhile, for the LA Angels, they're currently dealing with Shoy Otani having a little bit of a stomach bug. He wound up missing the game yesterday. If he does wind up playing here on Tuesday, it might be in a little bit more of a diminished role, so you do want to take note there, but you do have David Fletcher along with Luis Rodanifo hitting between about a 265 to a 275. Mike Trout is back in the fold. His on-base percentage right around 360 is as low as since his rookie year in 2011, but still, he's been able to get a home run every about 12 or so at-bats. He's been solid. Taylor Ward, Jared Walsh, combined 31 home runs, but both of these guys over the last 45 days combined hitting below the Medell's line of 200. We got Kurt Suzuki, Andrew Velasquez, Mongolia Sierra. They're hitting a 200 or lower at the bottom of the fold as well. And then for the Angels, it's been a deplorable bullpen all season long since the All-Star break. A right around league average bullpen ERA. I feel like they've been doing a little bit in smoke and mirrors because Ryan DeBear and Aaron Loop, two guys that they were really relying upon this season. Both of these guys have been big giant buster Rooney's posting up a 375 ERA or higher. Andrew Wants has actually been not too bad along Jimmy Ergett in the bullpen. They currently don't have Jose Quijada right now firing all cylinders, so he's been a little bit touch and go, and when he's been out there, he's been able to do a solid job, so that has been something to take a look at, but when it comes to Tampa Bay Rays, they do a much better job of being able to function with their bullpen. Jason Adam has been able to give you a sub buck 50 ERA even with J.P. Fire Eisen. Uh, for much of the season, they've been able to piecemeal things together with guys like 
Colin Pooch, Brooks Raley, both being able to land a sub-3-3 ERA. They get back Pete Fairbanks. Jalen Beeks has had a little bit of a tough time recently, but still a sub-3 ERA overall for the season. I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays should be able to get to Suarez in this spot. I do think that Corey Kluber going to be able to land a relatively solid start. I do think that the Angels are going to start to show a little bit of a sign of life on offense. I think that this total just a little bit too low. Semi total is 7.7, so looking over and with the Rays, even money or better, willing to take a look at that run line. 917-918 on the bank board. It is even a set of twins on the road facing off against the Sin Astros. Justin Verlander is going to be home for the Astros. To be determined is going to be on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. So this game is presently off the board. I'm thinking that we're going to get Cole Sands in this one. Fangrass was projecting that we'd be getting Aron Sanchez. So either way, it's going to be a big giant underdog situation with the Minnesota Twins. With Sands versus Verlander, I want to sing the Astros as a minus 244 favorite on the money line, minus 132 on the run line. If it would be Sanchez, it would probably be even a little bit more elevated to that. Bullpen game is pretty much the same as Cole Sands. As Sands, he's someone that has made a few starts this season. You could wind up seeing Devin Smeltzer as well. Someone who's been a little bit of a failed starter that doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. is very much a pitcher contact guy. Meanwhile, for Sands, his last start wanted coming in June, but it will give you some swing and miss. A little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. I actually like what I saw from him at the minor league level. Probably not quite fit to start yet at the big league level, but certainly is someone that is able to bring a little bit of flash at the same time, opponents are running a 280 off of them, and this is a Houston Astros lineup that all of a sudden it is a little bit more fortified than it was pre-trade deadline. They pick up Trey Boombo Mancini, and they pick up Christian Vasquez. Vasquez is a catcher that hits right around a 280. Boombo Mancini to be able to give the team a trail of bombs already since he wound up getting traded, and he's been able to hit about a 265 all season long. And you've got a lot of guys moving the line for this Astros team as he, Alex Bregman, Throwing their LMNDs. Diaz, when he's been out there, he's been a little bit banged up. Kyle Tucker, like between about a 252 to a 262. And then Jordan Alvarez, though, so, did wind up having some complications over the weekend. Should be good to go in this series. He's been able to hit 31 home runs. He's got a 400 on base. You've got Jose Altuve, who always does a good job of being able to get on base. He and Kyle Tucker, they combined 42 home runs as far as the season with Altuve hanging north of 275. But the relax factor here for the Astros is just all this pitching. For one, they're number one in terms of bullpen ERA is Brian Abreu, Seth Martinez, Throw in there, Ryan Stanek, along with Rafael Montero, all been able to provide a sub-3 ERA, but just take a look at Justin Verlander. He's right now the odds-on favorite to be able to win Cy Young for a reason. Buck 95 ERA at home. It's actually worse at a 218, but still, he's given up four home runs in 62 innings when he has been at home. His strikeouts per nine rate, despite the fact that he is in his very late 30s, it is still in the neighborhood about 8.6, 8.7. He's been giving up less than home run per nine innings. Opponents are in, uh 195 off of him. It's going to be a tough task for a Minnesota Twins team that they've got their main masher out there on Byron Buxton, who's been able to go deep 28 times. He has been amazing. And the guys behind him, they do get on base to be able to turn those home runs into more two to three run shots as Jerichella and Nick Gordon along with Carlos Correa. They're in between about a 265 to a 275. And Jose Miranda over the last 50 days has been able to hit well above a 320 for this bunch. He's gone deep 13 times. Ore Palonco, he's been able to crank out the deep ball with 15 home runs right around a 345 on base for him. So you do have some guys for this Minnesota Twins team doing a solid job. And the bullpen is not too bad either. You've got guys like a Yohan Duran who are able to give you multiple innings. He's been posting up a 225 ERA among relief pitchers. Most 100-plus mile-per-hour pitches thrown in the big leagues. Griffin Jacks has had a little bit of a tough time with it recently as his ERA over the last 
30 days is A6M, but he's able to lend a little bit of length as well. You probably don't want any part of Emilio Pagan, but that said, I do think that's going to be dominance here from the Astros, with it being Sands versus Verlander. I set the Astros minus 132 on the run line, minus 244 on the money line, and with the matchup, a 7.8 total. 7.5 or less looking over 8 or higher to the under as we go 9.19, 9.20 on the betting board. It is the New York Mets on the road facing off against the New York Yankees. One Frankie Montas goes for the Yankees and Taiwan Walkers on the bump. For the Mets, the Mets between a minus 110 to a plus 108 underdog. Meanwhile, with the Yankees saying between minus 110 and minus 118. Total on this game is 8 overs minus 115 and the under is minus 105. I'm on the layup to a minus 116 with the Yankees as I'm doing this. Not too many books wind up having this number up just because it was looking like we were going to be getting Jacob deGrom and said we are going to be getting Tywin Walker. But with Frankie Montas, the one fear that you've got with him, he's got north of a 6 ERA when he is away from Oakland. That has been an issue. So he has not been able to do a good job away from Oakland. Now he's out there in Yankee Stadium and... That is a little bit of a problem. And for Tywin Walker, he's got a career low strikeouts per nine rate this season. He's been getting right around six, six and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's been able to do a good job of being able to keep the walks down right around 2.4, 2.5 walks per nine innings. And it's actually been a little bit better on the road rather than at home. 327 road ERA compared to a 349 ERA at home. He wound up having a just big giant blow up start against the Atlanta Braves with pass that. He's been pretty darn consistent, giving up three runs or fewer. In 11 out of his last 13 starts, but the fear that you've got with Tywin Walker is that the same thing that happened last year happens this year because he's done a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard this season, right around 0.7 home runs per nine innings. You saw that from him in the first half last season, then in the second half of the season, he got completely torched, and he's now given up five home runs in his last five starts. So you got to wonder if those are starting to creep up just a little bit. He's been dealing with a few injuries as well. I know that he's been dealing with a few ailments, so that could wind up hurting him a little bit. As for the New York Yankees, even though he's been in a little bit of a funk, Aaron Judge is still a man that's got 46 home runs and north of 100 RBI this far this season. You've got Andrew Benintendi moving the line, hitting a 300. Jose Trevino, DJ Turnit up LeMayu, Isaiah Kinnair Falefa, only between about a 264 to a 280 as well. LeMayu has been able to do a good job of being able to get on base. Anthony Rizzo, Josh Donaldson, both hitting right around 222, 225, but both have good power in the bat, especially Rizzo with 28 home runs. And then for the Mets, got just a bunch of guys doing a good job of being able to move the line as Mark Canna, Brandon Nimmo, Pete Alonzo, along with Francisco Lindor, all in between about a 260 and a 275. Alonzo led the big leagues in home runs per game on the road last season. He's got 30 bombs and over 100 RBI this season. Now, at the bottom of the fold, they have been relying upon Brent Batty as they've been dealing with a few injuries as well. You've been seeing Jeff McNeil do a solid job of being a reach base, but with having out of the fold someone like an Eduardo Escobar, that has hurt them a little bit. And for the Mets, the bridge to be able to get to Edwin Diaz has been a little bit shaky at times. Seth Lugo has been able to do a better job recently. He's been posting up a sub-250 ERA ever since the All-Star break. You have had Adam Adovino be able to give you good innings, but someone like a Yoli Rodriguez has been a little bit touch and go there. And for the Yankees, even with Clay Holmes currently on the injured list, this is still a very good bullpen. Lucas Lutke has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA for so much of the season ever since he wanted coming over from Oakland. Lou Trevino has actually been the best part of this trade thus far for the New York Yankees. Ron Medanacchio is busting up a two ERA. Jeff otherwise is just absolutely terrible, but our oldest Chapman starting to show some signs of life as well. I do think that Taiwan Walker is going to start to have some of those home run issues wind up creeping up upon him once again. I do think that Frankie Montas is going to be able to give a little bit of a better start here as well, but I did wind up saying by total at an 8.2. I think that this is too low for this matchup in Yankee Stadium. I'm looking at the 8 over, and when it comes to Yankees, we'll end up to a minus 116 
with them. 921-922 on the betting board. It is the Detroit Tigers playing OC San Francisco Giants. Carlos Rodon is going to be going for the Giants. And Drew Hutchinson is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is an underdog between plus 185 and plus 195. Anywhere between minus 210 and minus 215 is your price on San Francisco. 7 is the total. The over is minus 120 and the under is even. If you're looking at the Giants run line, that is a minus 125 and... I need at least a plus 205 to take a shot on the Tigers. We are not there, but we are there in terms of the Giants' run line. Minus 125 is pretty much the max that I'm willing to lay in terms of this run line, but I am willing to lay the minus 125. Carlos Rodon wound up having a pair of rough starts coming out of the All-Star break. So much of that was because the fielding was terrible. There were a couple balls lost in the lights, especially the one at Dodger Stadium, which those don't wind up going as air, so they wind up getting charged with Carlos Rodon, even though he was doing his part ever since then. He has given up four earned runs over the course of his last four starts. Granted, not against great competition against the Cubs, A's, Diamondbacks, and Pittsburgh Pirates, but still, guy has been absolutely dealing in for Carlos Rodon a little bit over 11 punch-outs per nine innings. He's been supreme there. He's given up less than 0.6 home runs per nine innings, and now he goes up against a Detroit Tigers team that they've not been hitting all season long. Now, with Carlos Rodon, buck 86 home ERA compared to a 372 ERA on the road, but that's not as much of an issue when you do wind up going up against a Detroit Tigers lineup that You've got Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Tucker Barnard, Akil Badu, along with Cody Clements. Shall we go down the list of guys that are hitting a 215 or lower? Spencer Torkelson is now a triple A. He's been so bad. And Javi Baez with his 11 home runs. He currently leads away for this team. I mean, you still have Aaron Judge along with Anthony Rizzo having more home runs than this Tigers team overall for the season. As the Tigers, they've got 72 home runs in 123 games. It is absolutely mind-blowing what's happened there now with the Giants. I'm not quite sure how they rank in the top 10 in the big leagues in terms of runs per game generated as you do have a pair of guys like Jack Peterson and Wilmer Flores that will be able to combine for 34 home runs. Both of these gentlemen coupled with Evan Liguori hitting between about a 248 to a 258. But, I mean, it's not like this team has been ripping the cover off the ball. They do a good job in terms of their righty-lefty platoon splits, but it's not been a case in which the Giants have necessarily done a ton of their damage on the road as well. Home and road, they average right around the same amount of runs, which is a little bit interesting because San Francisco, very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark. You do take a look at this Giants bullpen, and it's been shaky all season long. They're in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of ERA, but you've got a trio of guys, Camilo Duvall, Jarlin Garcia, and then John Brebbia, who've all been able to do a solid job this season, posting up a sub-3 ERA. And for the Detroit Tigers, this is a top-7 team in terms of their bullpen ERA as well. They did wind up chipping off Michael Fulmer at the trade deadline, but you still have guys like Andrew Chafin, Jason Foley, Jose C. Serrano, Joey Menez, Alex Lang, all posting up a sub-3-3 ERA. Gregory Soto is good as a closer as well, but with the Detroit Tigers, you just got no offensive support for a guy, Andrew Hutchinson, who he's had his good and bad starts and has been on a relatively good run recently. He's given up a combined seven earned runs over the course of his last four starts. Two starts against the Guardians, one against the Blue Jays, and one against the Tampa Bay Rays, so I mean, the competition has been a little bit up and down, but for Hutchinson, has been able to do a nice job of being able to limit damage in a lot of spots. Now, you do have fear that the regression monster is going to wind up just taking hold here as he's giving up right around four walks per nine innings. He gets a little bit over five and a half punch outs per nine innings. Opponents are at 267 off of him. The only thing he's been able to do a good job of is holding the ball in the yard. Five home runs surrendered over the course of 66 innings. And I do think that the Giants are going to be able to do enough to be able to get to him in this spot. As a result, I'm taking a look at this Giants run line. And seven, I just think, is a little 
little bit too low because I do think that the Giants do wind up getting an Hutchinson before the bullpen stabilizes. I set my total at some point once a year to seven, looking over and looking at the Giants on the run line. 923-924 on the betting board. It is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They throw it face off against the Kansas City Royals. As John Heasley is going to be going for the Royals and Zach Davies is on the bump for Arizona. Arizona between a minus 122 and minus 125 favorite. Between plus 105 and plus 112 is your price on the Royals with 8.5 to 9 being your total on the 8.5. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 9. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. When it comes to Arizona, set them as a minus 123 favorite. So we're pretty much at my max. I'm willing to lay with the Arizona Diamondbacks, but I'm willing to lay it here with Arizona. Zach Davies has done a nice job of being able to work on the walk issues that were really plaguing him last season with the Chicago Cubs over his last three starts because he spent quite a bit of July, actually all of July, on the injured list. He's been rated and giving up a combined four runs at his last three starts, one of those on the road against the Colorado Rockies in Coors Field. He's given up six walks in the span of these last three starts, going five innings, and every one of them has been not necessarily a blazer in terms of his swing and miss stuff all season long. He's been getting right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, but he's been able to do a stable job, and for John Easley, when he has not been this year, is stable as he has been giving up nearly four walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, barely above six. This has just not been a good circumstance for him as he's made two starts really since July 9th, and it hasn't went well in either of them. He wanted giving up eight runs, six of which were earned over the course of eight and two-thirds innings. Now, they were against the White Sox, along with the New York Yankees, but not someone that you want to be trusting in, especially with them giving up a right around 1.9 home runs per nine innings. This has not been terrific for Mr. Heasley. Now, take a look at what he's been able to do in Kansas City, and it's actually worse than he, what he's done on the road. A 635 home ERA compared to a 496 ERA on the road, and against Arizona in his one start they had against him, gave up three runs, two home runs, over the course of five innings for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're a team that they do a good job of being able to go yard when they are on the road. A little bit less than home run per game when they're at home, more around 1.3 home runs per game on the road, and Christian Walker has really picked it up ever since the all-star break slash trade deadline. 29 home runs this season. Prior to the all-star break, he was barely hitting above a 200. He's been able to hit about a 260 ever since the all-star break. Dalton Varsho has been able to give you 16 bombs. He's sitting right around 235, and all of a sudden, got more guys are able to move the line. Emmanuel Rivera, along with Josh Roas, Jake McCarthy, in between a 275 to a 286 for Rivera. That's only his numbers with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Keep that in mind. Quito Marte has been out of the fold for quite a while, but you've been able to have quite a few guys do a little bit more of a stable job and for the Kansas City Royals, you're starting to get a little bit more power with this lineup as Bobby Wood Jr., Salvador Perez, MJ Melendez, all between 14 and 17 home runs and seen some guys really be able to step up for this team. Michael Massey has been able to about a 285 bitty past Quintino. Starting to see a little bit of regression, but post All-Star break, he's been able to well above a 280 for this team. You've been able to have Hunter Dozier be able to give you some good at-bats as well. You do have some guys at the bottom of the fold like a Nate Eaton, Nick Prado, that there are prospects that they're right now going through their struggles, but the big thing for the Kansas City Royals deadlines in the American League in terms of bullpen ERA, as Scott Barlow and Dylan Coleman have both been doing a very solid job for the team, both posting up a sub-3 ERA, but Jose Cuas, Amir Garrett, Josh Shamon, they all have north of a 4 ERA, the former Arizona Diamondback, and Luke Weaver, he has just been bad no matter where he's been all season long, so I do think that this is going to be a bit of a problem for the Kansas City Royals, want to lay up to a minus 123 with Arizona, so I'm going to be taking a look at them. Semi-total pretty high at a 9.7. The Royals offense has begun to really be able to click with all these guys, being able to bust out some homers, and for the years in the Diamondbacks, they do a nice job of being able to go yard on the road in their bullpen. Not necessarily terrific. Joe Mantiply has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA, but got a lot of guys like 
Kevin Ginkle, Noe Ramirez, Mark Melanson, Chris Savinsky, all these guys busting up north of a 450 ERA. So looking at the over in this spot and one to lay up to a minus 123 with Arizona 925, 926 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are going to be playing also the Texas Rangers. Dane Dunning is going to look to be stunning Dunning for the Rangers and Urban Marquez is on the bump for Colorado. Colorado between a minus 115 to a minus 123 favorite. Anywhere between even money and plus 113 is your price on Texas. 11 is the total. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. When it comes to the total, I do mind saying it at an 11.2, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over, but with the Rockies, made them a minus 146 favorite. The Rockies have some of the most demonstrative home and road splits in the big leagues as they've been able to do a solid job at home. They're 35 and 31. Meanwhile, on the road, they have went, I believe now, 18 and 39. So, yeah, it's been a big, giant chasm there, but when it comes to the Colorado Rockies, they just hit so much better at home rather than on the road, and for Dane Dunning, he pitches so much worse on the road rather than at home. With the Colorado Rockies, they get right around .65 home runs per game when they are on the road. Meanwhile, at home, a little bit over 1.2 home runs per nine innings. Someone like a C.J. Crone out of his 23 home runs, 17 have come at home. Brendan Rodgers, all but one of his home runs, have wound up coming at home as well, so I mean, it's a big, giant split. Now, C.J. Crone, do note that he did wind up missing the last few games of the team series against the San Francisco Giants, but should probably be good to go in this one. Someone like Randall Gritchick, he's been hitting well above a 280 at home. Below the Mandela's line of 200 on the road. So, I mean, it really just manifests itself. And then for Dane Dunning at home, he has been very solid for the Texas Rangers. And really over the last two seasons, his home ERA is about two and a half points lower than his road ERA. On the road this season, a 508 ERA with an 0-5 record. He's not necessarily giving up the deep ball too much on the road, giving up six home runs and 56 and two-thirds innings. The big thing for him is that the command goes down the toilet as he's got over four walks per nine innings. And then for the Texas Rangers, this bullpen has went straight down the tubes themselves as you do have a pair of guys in Brock Burke along the bat more that will be able to provide an ERA that is sub 2-2. But then you take a look at when you've been able to get out of someone like a Jose LeClerc. That's not been good. You've got now Garrett Richards and Dennis Santana on the injured list after both just wound up cratering at the beginning of the month of July. Both were posting up north of 10 ERAs over their last 45 days before going on the injured list. Josh Saboris has been giving you north of a 5 ERA. And for the Colorado Rockies, no question, this is not a good bullpen of their own. They rank in the bottom 5 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, but you've been able to have a little bit of production from Lucas Gilbreth at home with a sub-3 ERA. Donaldson Lament is someone that I really like that they wanted picking up. Justin Lawrence just all season long. It has been touch and go with him, but his ERA at home is more than 2 points lower than it is on the road. Daniel Pard has been a relatively solid closer as well for Irma Marquez after a no good, very bad, terrible start to the season. All of a sudden, he's been able to do a little bit of a better job for this team. He has now given up three runs or fewer in six out of his last seven starts. He has been worse at home rather than on the road. 585 home area compared to a 411 area on the road. Big reason why 15 bombs given up in 72 and a third innings. But you take a look at his last five starts. He's given up just three home runs over the course of 30 innings. Opponents ring at 274 off of him. But you've noticed Herman Marquez really be able to pick up some steam. I do think that both of these teams are going to give up some runs, especially with the Texas Rangers trotting out their lineup that they do have quite a few guys that are able to go yard. Corey Seager has 26 home runs. He, along with Adolise Garcia, Jonah Heim, only between about a 248 to a 258 with Heim along with Garcia. Both of these guys have a double-digit amount of homers. Lady Tavares, Nate Lowe, both hitting right around 295. And for Lowe, he's been able to get low. He's been able to give the team 18 home runs. Marcus Simeon, ever since he wound up having no home runs for the first 40 games of the season, 19 ever since. And so I do think that you wind up getting a little bit of a higher scoring game. So I'm going to 11.2 looking over and with the Rockies willing to lay up to a minus 146 with them.
them. 927-928 on the bang board. The Cleveland Guardians hit the road to face off against the Slam Diego Padres. Mike Clevenger is going to be going for the pause, and Aaron Savali on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is between a plus 130 to a plus 135 underdog, and between minus 140 and minus 150, your price on Slam Diego. Eight is your total. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. I did want to say my total at 7.7. This is a Padres team that they have the third lowest amount of runs per game when they're at home among National League teams. The only two teams that are lower, that would be the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Washington Nationals. That's not good company to keep now with the Padres. you got to feel like this offense is going to be able to bust out a little bit more as you've got a trio of guys, Manny Machado, Brandon Drury, Bonsoto, that have all been able to deliver north of 20 home runs as far this season. Then you do take a look at this Cleveland Guardians team. Very much a team that relies upon getting contact. As for the Cleveland Guardians, you've got one guy that has really been able to give you north of 16 home runs this season. That would be Jose Ramirez. 23 home runs, 99 RBI as the Guardians. They have the second fewest amount of home runs on a per-game basis in baseball, but Ramirez, coupled with Andres Jimenez, Josh Naylor, Amid Rosario, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, they're only a 274 or greater. Really, everyone other than Rosario, at least a 330 on base, so they do a great job of moving the line. Fewest strikeouts on a per-game basis of any team out there in baseball. And for the Guardians, bullpen has been terrific for this team. As you've got Nick Sandlin, along with Trevor Steven, they've been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. Emmanuel Classe has been, in my opinion, the second-best closer out there in the big leagues. And for the San Diego Padres and Bell Crismet, he's able to give you multiple innings. He's got a sub-3 ERA. Lewis Garcia's had his highs and lows, but he's got a 340 ERA. Robert Suarez, after a rough start to the season, he's picked it up. But Josh Hader, you don't want any part of Josh Hader right now. It has not been good. But Mike Clevenger, he's been able to do a solid job over his last few starts as well. He is going up against his former team in the Cleveland Guardians, and they know exactly what he's going to be throwing, so that is a little bit of an issue. But that said, for our good friend in Clevenger, three runs of fear surrender, and now five out of his last six starts for Clevenger. 296 home ERA compared to a 402 ERA on the road, giving up a little bit over 1.1 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine, not great, not terrible. Right around three walks per nine. He's been able to get right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. So he's been able to do a solid job. And for Aaron Savali, he was looking like a candidate for positive progression after his fielding independent and his ERA was just not matching up. And take a look at what's happened. Four runs surrendered over the course of his last four starts. Now, one of those he only wound up going one inning against the Chicago White Sox. So do keep that in mind. But he's given up just one walk and no home runs in this time span. And his swing and miss stuff, better than it's ever been. A little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. He is giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. And you do take a look at Savali. And on the road, it's been cataclysmically bad. 409 ERA at home compared to his 726 ERA on the road with opponents taking a 305 off of him. I do think that we are starting to see Aaron Savali get sort of the positive luck that he was deserving of coming into the season. So I do think that we are going to see a little bit of a lower scoring game, but with the Padres, was willing to lay up to a minus 149 with them, seeing more of the minus 140s to a minus 145. Going to be willing to lay here with the Padres, even though Haslam Kim has been able to hit right around a 280 over the last 40 days. You've got guys like Jake Cronenworth and company being able to move the line. I do not want to take a look at the run line. I would much rather take the money line in this spot of the San Diego Padres to be able to play it safe because I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game. So my total is 7.7. So looking under to go with the Padres. 929-930 on the bank board. It is the Oakland A's playing host to the Miami Marlins as Pablo Lopez is on the bump for the Miami Marlins. Zach Logue is on the bump for Oakland. 7 to 7 half is your total. On the 7 half, the under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. On the 7, over is minus 120. And the under is even. Miami is between a minus 132 and minus 135 favor. Between plus 115 and plus 125, your price on Oakland. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 132 
with the Miami Marlins. And I mean, as I've been doing with so many of these Marlins games, as going into what we wound up getting on Monday, just three out of their last, I believe, 16 games have wound up going over the total. Set a total of a 6.3 because with the Miami Marlins, in 19 out of their last 20 games going into Monday night, they scored three runs or fewer. It's just absolutely sad what we're seeing. AC Sagier is the only guy in the starting lineup and the only guy that is really healthy right now for the Miami Marlins that has been able to supply a double-digit amount of homers. And he got held out of yesterday's game, which means that on Monday you saw a Miami Marlins team that in late August, did not wind up having a single player with more than six home runs this season. You've had John Birdie and Joey Wendell be able to move the line. They're hitting between about a 255 to a 265. But Luan Diaz, J.J. Belide, along with you're able to throw in there someone like a Peyton Butterick. You've got one of the other Encarnacions and Gerard Encarnacion, Jacob Stallings, all these guys hitting at 225 or lower. It's just sad and pathetic. And for the Oakland A's, it's also sad and pathetic. You've got a pair of guys that will be able to give a team a jolt of power with Seth Brown along with Sean Murphy being able to supply a combined 33 home runs. Murphy's been able to about a 250 for the team, but Jonah Bride, Vidal Machine, along with Tony Kemp. These guys are in between about a 220 to a 235. Got a lot of guys like a Sky Bolt, Nick Allen, Cal Stevenson at the bottom of the fold that have no power. They're not giving you really too much in terms of a batting average in general. Now, with the Oakland A's, bullpen has actually not too, been too bad as Sam Mull, Danny Jimenez, Domingo Acevedo, AJ Pug, Zach Jackson. They've all been able to give you a 3-1 ERA or better. And for the Miami Marlins, you do have guys I like in this bullpen as well as you've been able to get some good production out of Dylan Floro, who's been able to give you right around about a 4-ish ERA. Stephen Okert has a sub-3 ERA. It's been up and down in terms of what you've been able to get out of someone like a Richard Blyer as well, but Blyer has seen his ERA go to right around a 365 as well, but I do think that Pablo Lopez going to be able to shake off what we've been seeing out of him recently and be able to land a good start against an Oakland A's team that they just haven't been too great in general, and for Oakland, they are just the worst offensive team at home in all of baseball because it's such a pitcher-friendly ballpark with Lopez. He has given up four-plus runs in three out of his last four games, but it's come against relatively solid competition for Lopez. He does have an ERA of a 334 on the road compared to 436 at home. Doesn't make a lot of sense considering how pitcher-friendly Miami is, but I do think that he's going to be able to land a good start. And then when it comes to Loke, he has been seeing a limited amount of innings as far as this season, right around 45 and a third. He's been giving up two home runs per nine, and he's right around 3.4 walks per nine. He has went up against some really good competition as his ERA at home is a 474 compared to a 752 ERA on the road, giving up two home runs in 19 innings at home. Eight bombs and 26 in a third innings when he has been on the road. And I think that there's no better get-right spot for him rather than going up against Miami as two out of his last four starts have wound up going up against the Houston Astros. Meanwhile, in his starts against the Tigers, he's looked relatively solid. And I do think that we're going to see a nice low-scoring slog. I do think that the pitching advantage for the Miami Marlins at the top is going to be able to power them to victory. Set my total at 6.3. I'm looking under. And I'm willing to lay up to a minus 132 with the Marlins. And we wrap things up with 931-932 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals hit the road face off against the Seattle Mariners as Robbie Ray goes for the M's and Eric Fetty Wop on the bump for the Washington Nationals. 7.5 is your total. The under is minus 120. The over is even. And with Robbie Ray, you're finding the Seattle Mariners and him anywhere between a minus 250 and a minus 270 favorite between plus 220 and plus 240 is your price on Washington. And if you're looking at the run line, finding it anywhere between a minus 120 to a minus 130 with the Mariners. I was one to lay a minus 138 on that run line. I needed at least a plus 260 to take a shot on the Washington Nationals. So I'm going to be taking a look at the run line. And a big reason why is that Robbie Ray 
Ray has just been able to do his best work all season long in Seattle. His ERA is night and day. As a matter of fact, it's nearly double what it is when he is on the road as compared to at home. As Robbie Ray overall for the season, he has still been giving up the deep ball. He's been giving up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings, but at home, 280 home ERA, 525 ERA on the road, giving up nine home runs and 80 and a third innings at home. So right around one home run per nine innings on the road. 14 home runs in 61 and two-thirds innings. Very nearly two home runs per nine innings. Opponent's batting average falls by 65 points when he is at home. He's been able to do a good job getting swings and misses right around 10 and a half straight cuts per nine innings. And for Eric Fetty, this is going to be his first start at the big league bubble since mid to late July. It was July 24th against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Fetty has been always a guy that has had a tough time in terms of command. As his walks per nine rate this season is 4.6. Give it up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings, and he's got a 5.53 ERA on the road, in which he has kept the ball in the yard. He's given up right around one home run per nine innings when he has been on the road, but he doesn't necessarily get a ton of swings and misses either. Right around 6.9 strikeouts per nine innings. There's not a lot to like there with the Washington Nationals. It's been a league average bullpen over the last few months. You've got a lot of veterans like Kyle Finnegan, Steve Ciszek, these guys Posting up right around 350 to 375 ERAs. Hunter Harvey has been able to give you right around a 315 ERA. Tyler Clifford, he is very, very old and ancient at like 37 years old. They're kicking the tires on him. Carl Edwards Jr. It's not been too bad, but they do not stand in the way of the Seattle Mariners who have the best bullpen ERA in the big leagues over the last 75 days. So many guys that struggled towards the beginning part of the season like Diego Castillo and company. They have really been able to figure it out. Andres Munoz, after he had a bad first two months of the season, he's been posting up a sub-2 ERA ever since then. And you just take a look at what this bullpen has been able to do recently, and it has been absolutely magnificent as Penn Murphy, Paul Seawald. These guys have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA all season long, along with Eric Swanson. Eric Swanson, in 15 appearances post-All-Star break, 0.69 ERA. Matt Brash has become a bullpen piece that you're able to rely upon as well. And for the Mariners, you now have back in the fold Julio Rodriguez as he and Eugenio Suarez have been the two main matchers for this team as both of these guys have a combined 41 home runs. They both give the team right around a 320-ish in terms of on-base for the Mariners. who fat tie France really start to regress ever since the All-Star break. He's been barely hitting at a 200, but Mitch Hanniger coming back in the fold. That is big. He wound up having a home run over the weekend. Last season, he wound up having 39 home runs, wound up missing much of the campaign, getting him back. Absolutely massive for the team. Adam Frazier has been seeing a little bit of regression ever since he wound up having a big late July slash early August, but you've had Jesse Winker be able to give you a 344 on base batting average. has not necessarily been there. You do have guys towards the bottom of the fold like Dylan Moore, Abraham Toro whenever he's been out there, Carlos Santana as well that have not necessarily been so terrific, but I do think that the Mariners are going to be able to do it here with pitching, especially against the Washington Nationals lineup that among National League teams, they have the fewest home runs per game of any of them, and well, they traded away their top two home runs pieces in terms of Juan Soto along Josh Bell. You've been able to have Lane Thomas go deep 12 times for this team and dating back to his time with the Padres, 15 plus home runs out of Luke Voigt. Do have quite a few guys like Cesar Hernandez, Nelson Cruz, Thomas, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Kibeta Weiss, in between about a 237 to a 248, but it's been hard for the Nationals to move the line ever since the trade deadline. As a result, they might have saying Matola at 7.2. I'm looking at the under. I think Robbie Ray is going to be dominant here in Seattle, so I'm going to be taking a look at the Mariners' run line as well, and that'll wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. 
Big thanks to our good friend Ryan Rossine of the Philadelphia City Castle Log Sports Radio WIP for joining me in my segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to send. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters DM. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please just send these into the timeline and the other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you will be finding whatever you'd like here on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rival. Every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.